0: Yeah, it's a great event. It's, it's, it's fun to get back, actually scouting some players, yeah. at least for me. It's my, really my first chance to see a lot of guys in one place. Our college scouts have seen all these guys a lot already. For me, for some of these guys, I haven't seen these guys yet, so it's, uh, it's, it's a great feel. Hey everybody, Chris Havery with you on our first off-season edition of Chargers Weekly. That was General Manager Tom Telesco at the top discussing Senior Bowl week, which kicks off next Tuesday in Mobile, Alabama. A bit later, Dane Brugler of The Athletic will give you a preview of what to expect and players to watch down in Mobile. But first, I recap the Chargers' 2018 season with ESPN's Eric Williams. All right, here at the Hope Performance Center, a rainy day in Costa Mesa, wrapping up the 2018 season with Eric Williams of ESPN, and, Eric, we just heard from Tom Telesco. It's just funny how quickly this thing hits. You know, you, you lose on Sunday to the Patriots, players clean out their locker on Monday, and suddenly it's a wrap. Yeah, that's
1: kind of how every season is, is you could be going on this high where you're on this, this magical playoff run, and you're hoping that it ends in a Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden it just crashes, it's done. And the next day they're cleaning out the lockers next day they're they're going to sunny locales, sunnier locales yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we're out here and uh, and you're on to the next year you just, uh, it's, it's kind of like clockwork
0: so where do you start when you talk about the 2018 chargers obviously it doesn't end the way they want it to end, but this happens to 31 teams, Man, Everybody is upset except for the one in February when the confetti comes down.
1: Well, I think you have to acknowledge um, that you had a good year. You know, 12-4, and four, probably exceeded expectations in terms of the regular season where people thought this team was going to be going into it. Certainly exceeded what I thought. I thought this was kind of a 10-6 a and six fringe playoff you team. You start
0: 1-2, and two, by the way.
1: Yeah, one and two, and, and at that point you're going, wow, you're really going to have to get going to, to get to where you want to be. But then they obviously they play really well on the road. They, they win some close games, some nationally televised games. They build some momentum. Um, and then you had you know a, a number of different players kind of make steps, leaps in terms of their progress, so you like that part of it. Uh, but then you kind of have that bitter taste in your mouth in the way that you played at New England. Um, It's okay to lose New England, but when you lose that way, you really start to kind of look and go, well, are we really doing the things that we need to do to get to a Super Bowl? And so I think like last season was about beating the Chiefs because it had been so long since you had beaten them and they're the AFC West division champions and that's who you have to beat to win the division. Sure. You did that this year, so you were able to kind of take a step there. Now I think the next step is How do you beat the Patriots? Because you gotta beat the Patriots more likely than not in order to get to the Super Bowl. So I think this season will be about how do you continue to make changes to the roster to to
0: beat that team. And we're seeing a progression, a, a positive progression we just heard from Tom. I, I talked to him earlier this week. He brought up an interesting parallel between the 2002 Colts. I think it was Tony Dungy's first year in this 2018 Chargers team. Mm-hmm. That Colts team with Peyton Manning, a loaded Colts team, lost 41 nothing to the Jets in the playoffs. Proceeded to go to the playoffs. I think he said 12 of the next 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is. I think there's a a step by step process. Sometimes you got to go through some adversity to get to where you want to go. And then we look at this roster, a lot of young guys that had not been there before, Eric.
1: It's incremental. As you said, it's step by step. You know, I covered the Seahawks for six seasons. The first year that Russell was there, they lost to the Falcons in a divisional round game. Yeah. They probably should have won that game. But they beat the Redskins in the wild card. But they beat the Redskins in the wild card. I remember game. that because you are on the East Coast. Yeah,
0: it was so 14-0 in that game, <laughs> Redskins, so I remember that game.
1: They came back. So for them, it was kind of similar. They, they they made it through the divisional round. The next year, they ended up getting to the Super Bowl. More importantly, they had those games at home. And I think that's one of the things that the Chargers need to get. They need to be playing in sunny California in those playoff games at home versus in cold New England, cold Baltimore, cold Kansas City. While they had a lot of success in, in the playoffs, or excuse me, the success during the regular season on the road, uh, you know, 9-0 and before the New England game when they boarded plane. realistically, if you want to make it to the Super Bowl, you're probably going to have to host some, some home games to do that.
0: So they need to win the division. Look at the last five years, look at recent history. Yeah. All, all four of the, the home teams in the divisional round won. And this team, you know, you could look to that Broncos game perhaps. There was a couple games where maybe you should have had it. Yeah. Uh, you're the number one overall seed, and maybe things are different right now.
1: Yeah, no doubt. You look at that that Broncos game where if you're able to salt the clock away, you come away with a victory, then you're, you're, you're the division champion. Uh, Baltimore game, you know. You have the ball driving going in, and then obviously Antonio Gates had the fumble. So he had some opportunities there to earn home field, just didn't take advantage of it. And then you have to go on the road, and it's just it's just much more difficult on the road to, to get it done.
0: You've seen Phillip play uh, for several years now, covering this team. W- was this his best year, you think, as a pro? I don't know if it was his best year.
1: Um, I think um, maybe most complete year. I think yeah, maybe most complete. That's fair. Most composed, I guess. I just thought he was steady throughout the whole year, and 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 the offense did a great job of executing with him. Uh, you know, at the front of it. Um, so really, when you look at back to back years with Nathaniel as a head coach, his ability to kind of curb turnovers. Uh, to put the offense in good situations so they're successful, and then get them into a rhythm. I think that's great. I think he can t- continue to play this way for another two or three years. You know, I know he's in the final year of his deal, and we're kind of asking Telesco, Hey, what are you going to do with Philip during the off season? Are you going to do a contract extension? And they'll they'll have conversations um, because I think they believe in Philip long term in terms of leading this team, and that he still has a couple years left. Um, but you know. He ain't gonna be able to play forever. Yeah, <laughs> you know that window is is closing. He's 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 more near the end. And I heard you asked you
0: asked the quarterback draft question. You know that came up all the time last year yeah. too, and you know we'll see, right? But it's one of those things where when you see somebody play at this level, the way that Phil is playing, you know that he's not going anywhere. As Tom said, yeah, he's not going anywhere, and and, and rightly, I think. If you have Phillip Rivers
1: where he's at and then how much he's earning in terms of compensation, you want to do your best to to surround him with as much talent as possible to help him get to that point. In order to do that, you have to draft talented players early in the draft. And then maybe once he you feel like it, it, there's no longer a, a chance, then you start thinking about quarterback at that point. But I think as long as Phillip's in that window where you feel like he can win a Super Bowl – You want to just continue to to surround him as many talented players on offense and defense as possible to make it easy to to get there.
0: This is why I think Chargers fans, when you look at the offensive side of the ball, you have a lot to look forward to Mm -hmm. in 2019. Is With 17 under center, each week, Eric, there seemed to be a different guy to kind of get the job done. You know, Melvin in – Buffalo and Cleveland, Seattle, Mm -hmm. you know, Keenan and Justin Jackson, you know, winning a game in Pittsburgh, you know, Mike Williams in Kansas City, City. Uh, Austin, you know, sprinkled in throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tyrell had two big touchdowns in Cleveland. Uh, You're not relying on, you know, just one all-star, one all-pro to get the job done week in, a week out. I think that bodes well for this offense in 2019. I think so. And you want to make sure that you're
1: able to retain a lot of those guys. You have Melvin going into the last year of his rookie deal. And obviously, Telesco thinks a uh, a lot about Melvin and what he can bring to this offense. And so that's another thing you have to look at in terms of contract extension. And and are you able to get something done there because you want to keep Melvin around as an engine that drives this offense. Along with those playmakers, though, O-line, you got to continue to protect Phillip because he's not the most mobile guy. How do you continue to add to, to, to make sure that that stays where it needs to be in terms of both pass protection and your ability to get the job done in the run.
0: Yeah, I, I thought Pouncey w- was a great free agent yeah. addition. Uh, Russell, uh, Pro Bowl alternate this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we'll see. We, we talked about Forest Lamp today. And I think there are some some parallels between the ability to just have a healthy off season, like Mike Williams did last year. Mike, we saw what he was able to do with a healthy off season, eleven total touchdowns, which I think was you know top five among receivers. Yeah. Uh, so Forrest Lamp is somebody this offseason. I think it's so paramount for him to to be healthy going into OTAs and training camp and and all that good stuff.
1: You mentioned it. Once Mike got healthy, now his talent can start to show. And I think it's kind of similar with Forrest. Just let's get his knee healthy first. Usually with a person with the ACL injury, the second year is, is better than the first year in terms of their health. And they can go out and kind of be the player they were before they had the injury. I think the Chargers are hopeful that will happen for Forrest. And he can kind of get in there and have a full off offseason uh, to really focus on the offense and his skill set. Um, and then we'll see. You know, is he going to be competing with Schofield at right guard? Will it be Feeney? We'll see how all that all that stuff shakes out. They have months and months to
0: to look at different iterations of that offense. Exactly. Line. And we're not even talking about draft picks. We're not talking about nope. free agency. There, there's some people that could come in yep. to further bolster the line. Defensively. I think you got to start with the rookie, right? Derwin James. Um, I asked Tom if he exceeded expectations. He said maybe a little bit this year.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, you expected him to contribute, but you didn't expect him to have 100 tackles and just be all over the field making plays like he did. Um, I, I think I thought Tom did a good job of talking about the maturity. I think that's one of the things that you saw from from Derwin, and it was early on. Right from the beginning for me, yeah. I remember talking about Gus, and Gus was talking about you know, leadership skills, and I was like, leadership as a rookie? It just seemed odd that that was one of the first things that he would mention when he talked about Derwin, but then you saw it on the field. He was the guy that that gave the rest of the defense energy. You know, the way he played, he would get people going on the field. Sometimes he'd get people lined up. This is a rookie telling other guys where they need to be. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, he's a he's a type A personality in the way he plays. He, he's, he's focused, and he's a guy that you can build a defense around. And you got him at number 17, which is crazy to think that 16 other teams –
0: passed up on. You guys do this exercise at yes. If we're redrafting right now, where's Darwin going?
1: Well, we already did it. <laughs> what, was, what was the result again? I did not get a chance to draft Derwin James. <laughs> Let me just say that. <laughs> I had to pick somebody else.
0: Okay, so the way the exercise worked is you, you're you at 17, right? Yeah. Yeah, Derwin was not there. Derwin was not there in the redraft. I imagine he was probably a top 5 to 7 I pick. I
1: think he was a top 10 pick, something like that. Somebody, somebody earlier, might have been the Niners, I wasn't sure, but uh, but yeah, I didn't. I, I think I ended up taking the the, the kid out of Boise State. To, uh, that's still pretty good value. Yeah, yeah, pretty good value. Pretty good player. Uh, was on a all rookie team. Um, but yeah, you you just it, and it's every year it's like that where guys will fall and you're like, how is that guy falling? Um, but the Chargers are thankful because they got a guy that's going to be, you know, uh, a dominant defensive player on this team for the next decade.
0: And you look at the edge rushers, you got to have a a bookend, pass rush duo, especially in the playoffs. Uh, I think just having Joey healthy from the beginning, we can't predict injuries. No one's ever going to be able to predict what happens throughout the course of an NFL season. But when you have young guys like Melvin in his prime and Bosa, I believe, entering his fourth season, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a good start.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, And I think one of the things that's good about this team is when you look at some of the foundational players on defense and offense, they're still relatively young. And that's kind of why we talk about that window still being open for them. Well, to how get about back. guys
0: like Desmond King, Eric, and Uchenna, yep. who got some valuable snaps. Uh, Justin Jones got some valuable snaps this year. Uh, there's a lot of young guys who Telesco and company have drafted mm-hmm. over the past couple years. Isaac Rochelle's another one who kind of steadied the ship while Bosa was out. And you needed those guys to come in and make impact plays in order to defense
1: to kind of – Play the way they did in the first half of the year, uh, along with glue guys like you know Adrian Phillips and Damian Square that were just good utility players that could play a number of different positions and kind of shore up you know holes or void that you, voids that you had in your defense. So yeah, the young players did a good job of stepping up and playing well. Uh, you know Michael Davis is another guy that came in and played yep. corner and and was solid because Trevor was a little bit dinged up, so you you needed that. And so now. I think one thing that people don't understand is guys don't stay the same. They either get better or worse. And so you're hoping these young guys will continue to grow and get better. And as they improve and play together, your defense is going to get better. And that's really how you take those those next steps that we talked about, those incremental steps in terms of where you're going to be in your playoff positioning and then hopefully reaching the Super Bowl. You need your young players then again that you draft you need to develop them and they need to get better
0: what areas on this football team do you think need to be improved if the chargers are going to get another one seed next year and go further than the divisional round
1: well i think the first thing is pass rush i think when you look at the Chiefs, and a lot of people talk about their defense giving up points or yards but at the end of the game when they're in a tight game, they're able to generate pressure because of who they have as pass rushers. They have D Ford on one side, they have Houston on the other side, and they have that beast Chris Jones in the middle. They're like a sack in 12 straight games. So when you're able to push from the edge and the middle, um, that makes your defense pretty tough because now your guys in the back end don't have to cover as much. So the Chargers obviously have Bosa and Ingram. They have two guys that can push from the edge. They need to get a, 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 a dominant interior pass rusher to go along with those guys, either through the draft or free agency, to add to our already pretty talented defensive line, so that would be one thing. Obviously, linebacker. When you have Kaiser, Denzel, Jatavis all finished on IR, I mean that just hurt uh, your ability to be multiple on defense. Yeah. And you know, by necessity, you had to go out there and play seven defensive backs just because you really didn't have linebackers that could do the things that you wanted to do, that Gus Bradley wanted to do. So either those guys have to get healthy and stay healthy and you can rely on them, or you have to go out and draft uh, guys that are a similar skill set. Um, you know, I covered this defense when I was in Seattle, and when they were at their best, they had um, Wagner and Casey was going to say
0: Bobby Wagner is the first name that comes to mind, right? That's
1: kind of the guy you're looking
0: for, it's,
1: you know, six four, two hundred forty five. 245, Ran a four or five at his pro a day. Very athletic. And so you don't need to take him off the field and pass. Has
0: maybe him. never missed a tackle in his career. <laughs> he just goes and just cleans things yeah. up
1: sideline to sideline. And along with that, KJ is 6'4", 255 pounds. He can rush, he can cover, and he can tackle in space. And so they play nickel 70% of the time. They don't have to, to rotate guys in and out that much because those guys can do all of those things. And so I think... When Gus Bradley's defense operates at its optimum capacity, you have two guys inside that can do that for you. The Chargers are doing it differently because they don't have those guys, so you're asking Adrian Phillips and Jaleel to go down in the box as smaller guys to do that, and the Patriots took advantage of that.
0: Yeah, that Baltimore game, too, was a brilliant game plan, but it was also out of necessity, too, as you you mentioned. Uh, Finally, Eric, this weekend – the Chargers have seen all four of these teams. I mean, the Saints, it was at the Jack Hammond Sports Complex. You play the Rams earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Chiefs twice, obviously the Patriots last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your prediction, early impressions of this these matchups? Well, I think let's go AFC first. Yeah, go AFC um, first.
1: It, it looks like weather's going to be a little better than predicted early on, so it might not be as much of an
0: Better issue. is still like 15 degrees. It's still pretty cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, but I just think Patrick Mahomes is a different make, maker because you can't really game plan for what he's going to do out there in terms of, you know, manipulating the pocket, the off schedule plays, and just the ability to, to make something out of nothing. Um, and so I think that gives them an edge, along with playing in KC in the home crowd. I think that's. We were there in December. You know how loud that place gets. Yeah. And so I, I like their ability to. Um, to to create offense against the Patriots, which I think is a good defense and obviously well coached. But um I like the Chiefs in that game. Um even though it's Tom Brady and and everything that the Patriots bring to the table, you know that they're gonna be well coached and they'll be prepared. I just I think Patrick Mahomes is kind of the X factor in that game.
0: Yeah. I think home field is the is the X factor too. It's yes. just it's just history shows it.
1: But I don't know, Patriots, you know, they're kind of prepared for all that stuff. But but yeah, no doubt. History over time shows that More times than not, the home team wins that game in order to get the Super Bowl. Um, In the NFC, it's it's tough for me, again, to go against Drew Brees. And, again, being in that dome, have you
0: been to? It's next level. I was there for, I went to a game, a week one game, uh, like in 2012 it's it's as advertised yeah it's one of
1: the loudest buildings i've ever been in for to cover a football game particularly when the home team is rolling and playing well i mean you feel like the roof's going to come off i mean it's just it's just deafening in there
0: um and and then, and then add in the stakes you know nfc championship game that place is going to go next level the intensity
1: level is going to be you're going to be able to feel it in the building <laughs> it's going to be high uh, I think their defense, the, the Saints defense, is maybe a little underrated in terms of what they can do, putting pressure on teams. Um, the Rams are certainly going to bring it. They're, they're, they probably have the most talented roster out of those two teams. Um, but they also have a number of players that haven't been in that situation before. And, and and you have to like the players that have been there to be able to handle it because it, the pressure can can get to players in those situations. And Jarrett Goff, this will be his first time in that in that environment it might be pretty tough for
0: him yeah eric it's been fun man it's been a long season but it is amazing how kind of quickly things go by especially at the end you've been awesome on the podcast we'll probably see you at the combine i'm hoping so and again i just
1: think fans hey appreciate it this was a great season to to watch you 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 were entertained obviously the Chargers didn't get where they want to go but they're heading the right path and and we'll see what kind of changes they make in the offseason to see if they can get it going again Yeah, man. Thanks so much. Sure. Thanks
0: for having me. All right. Please be joined by Dane Brugler of The Athletic as we shift our focus to the NFL draft and next week's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. And Dane, I tell you, I have the pleasure of working with Daniel Jeremiah. Between DJ and yourself, we got Chargers fans covered for the draft, man. How are you? (laughs)
2: I'm doing well. Yeah, DJ is one of the best at uh, at doing this, and you know I always enjoy when he and I have a chance to catch up, compare notes, and uh, I just talked to him the other day, and we we seem to see a lot of these prospects the same, uh, at least at the top. So it's uh, but it's gonna be a fun process uh, because it's it's exactly that, the process. You know, it's we're still early. We got the Senior Bowl, the Combine, and a couple of steps in between to try and differentiate these prospects and separate them. So. Uh, it should be a
0: fun next few months. Well, Dane, I bought your draft guide last year. And of course, with all this stuff, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? But I wanted to see where you had Derwin James. And he was your eighth overall prospect. And I just want to read a few things that really just rang so true this year. Position versatility with experience at every position in the back seven. Coachable with the mental alertness to execute. Well-liked by his teammates. Leading comes natural to him, competitive drive on the field in the weight room, and one of the best blitzing defensive backs to enter the league in recent memory. Uh, We saw all of that. What was your take on how Derwin played? Were you more surprised with how he played or where he was drafted at number 17 overall last year?
2: Well, definitely the latter. Um, I'm still waiting for a valid reason why he fell so far. Um, you know, it, you hear little things, and but nothing that really made sense because, uh, you know, it's obvious how good and of, talented of a player that he is. And that first part, the versatility, to me, that's what really stood out when you watch him is because that's, that's the type of players that the NFL needs right now on defense. So, you know, the versatile guys that can – Cover. They can, you know, creep down in the box. Where, you know, you have to worry about them playing the run blitz. They can still drop cover wide receivers, tight end. Uh, you know, can cover in the slot. Uh, just that versatility to stay on the field all three downs, to interchangeably play single high, cover both sidelines, but also, uh, you know, work down towards the line of scrimmage. So the guys that are versatile and can do all of that. Uh, and also have the intangibles that you're looking for, uh, just in terms of being a good teammate, and you know you know what kind of guy you're getting uh, day in day out. I, Derwin James, that that kind of summed him up. So just still surprised he fell so far, but hey, it's the Chargers game.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And Derwin was the Chargers' leading tackler and just a leader from the beginning. And you know when we talk about this draft process, the Senior Bowl really kind of the big first event of this draft season. You had the East-West Shrine game coming up this weekend. Explain what you're looking for in mobile and how it factors into your overall evaluation of these players Dane.
2: Well, it's always an important week because really when you think about it, it's the last time we get to see these guys with in a football setting. Uh, you know, with pads on, helmets, um, you know, on a on a outdoor football field. You won't get to see them at the combine and some workouts, but uh, you know, those will be in t-shirt and shorts, uh, you know, and asked to be doing a lot of things that aren't football related just in terms of the 40 yard dash and some of the other drills. Uh, but with uh, at the senior bowl, we're actually going to get to see some pretty interesting one-on-ones and some, you know, seven on sevens and uh, a lot of drills that help, uh, you know, really evaluate the traits, evaluate them on a, on, a, on the same field where they're going up against some of the better players around the country uh, it's always an important week uh, in terms of evaluation purposes. And really it's, it should be used as a, a way to cross check what you saw on tape during the season. Uh, you know, is he, you know, for certain players you, know, you have a, an opinion uh, going into the week, does he change your opinion at all? Does, is, it, is he exactly what you thought? And if he does change your opinion, then okay, time to go back to the tape and figure out, okay, you know, he was a little faster than I thought. What What did I miss on tape? And so, Uh, It's one big cross-checking exercise for me, um, you know, just to see how these guys uh, shape up. Eager to get the exact uh, heights, weights, arm lengths, wingspan, hand size, that type of thing. Uh, Get the verified measurements, that'll help quite a bit. And then it's always about the quarterbacks. Um, Eager to see Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, they're on the same team, uh, the North squad. Uh, It'll be similar to last year when we had Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen on the same team. So practice after practice, we could see, you know, each – we compare compare each throw that they make and get a really good chance to uh, uh, kind of put them next to each other and just to see how they do. So Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, two potential top 10, top 15 picks. It'll be good to compare those guys one after the other.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you, I think three of your top five graded quarterbacks at this point are going to be in Mobile. You talk about Daniel Jones from Duke, Drew Locke, Missouri, Will Greer from West Virginia. How do you currently view each of these guys? I know you just said Daniel Jones and, and Drew Locke could be, you know, top half of the first round and how can they help themselves here in mobile
2: well and each one they have different uh, skill sets with what they do best for daniel jones uh it's a very cerebral passer uh very accurate and so he doesn't have a power arm like a drew Locke does but for him it's just being efficient uh you know showing that ball placement showing that quick-minded approach that he has uh similar to jimmy garoppolo in that way so for daniel jones it's just showing more of that uh for drew lock it's all about uh, touch and placement um you know he has he might be a lot of Derek Carr because he has a golden arm uh he moves well good size mechanics are an issue and a lot of times they'll throw off his accuracy uh deep ball accuracy intermediate touch so for drew lock it's just all about being consistent and it, it can be tough in a setting like this because you know, except for Emmanuel Hall, who he threw to at Missouri, he's going to be dealing with all new wide receivers. And so it can take a little bit to develop that chemistry, develop that timing uh, with some of these routes and some of these receivers, uh, you know, they come in all different shapes and sizes. So uh, that, that could take a little bit. And so I uh, try not to be too harsh on the quarterbacks on day one of practice, but you want to see the progression from practice one to two to three, uh, just to see them improve, take that pro coaching and get better. Uh, and then for Will Greer, my biggest question with him, I'm not sure if it'll be answered during the practice session, because uh, biggest thing with him is just the overall decision-making and how pressure will uh, really affect uh, those decisions. Cause he'll make some beautiful throws, but in between those throws, there's a couple of what was that type of, type of decision mm. uh, just where you know, he's throwing into heavy coverage, uh, you know, not properly reading the defense and I'm not sure if the practice will really help that, but Still, nonetheless, it's a great opportunity for him to shine because, uh, you know, he's got a live arm and, uh, you know, we know he can toss it from his days at uh, West Virginia.
0: Dane, last year, Colts linebacker Darius Leonard was in Mobile, and he's a small school guy who already, an all-pro, probably competing with Derwin for Rookie of the Year. Who's this year's Darius Leonard in Mobile? Uh,
2: The top small school player this year is Nasir Adderley, uh, free safety from Delaware, who. First of all, he has Hall of Fame bloodlines. Uh, his cousin, uh, a couple times removed, is Herb Adderley, who uh, you know won a couple Super Bowls with Packers, won a few championships with the Cowboys in the 60s. Uh, so he has the Hall of Fame bloodline. Uh, he is a former corner, so he's got corner feet, moves well, uh, but he'll come up and hit you. He's a healthy run defender. Um, really good kid. I really enjoyed my talks with him throughout the fall. Uh, got a chance to kind of sit down with him, go over the tape and uh, really like what he has to offer. He he came in at number twenty-one overall on my draft board uh, going into the Senior Bowl, so I'm eager to see if he can kind of live up to uh, the high ranking that I have him. He's, he's my top safety this year, so we'll see if he lives up to that. Because uh, you know he's a, he's a really good player, but you know he's going to be expected to step up and play with uh, all the FBS athletes and not look like he's out of place at all. So big week for him to see how he performs. Um, but you know, there's always a couple small school guys that stand out. Uh, Jordan Brown from South Dakota State, the corner, uh, eager to see how he does. Um, the number two small school player in this draft uh, behind uh, Adderley is probably Titus Howard, the offensive tackle from Alabama State. Uh, they played Auburn earlier this year, and he held his own. He did a nice job. Uh, he's a former tight end who kind of overgrew the position and uh, developed into a, a pretty solid tackle. So I think Titus Howard uh, you know, could – meant his status as a day-two pick if he has a strong week in Mobile. So uh, those are just a couple names of uh, some smaller school guys, under-the-radar guys who have a chance to make a big impact next week.
0: Let's shift to the O-line because I think it could be a position group the Chargers could home in on uh, during the draft at some point. Yadney Kajus from West Virginia, Dalton Riser, Kansas State, both of those guys look like they can come right away and make an impact. Anybody else in that O-line group that you're looking at?
2: I think the top offensive lineman uh, who will be at the senior bowl is Andre Dillard, uh, the offensive tackle from Washington state, who he played left tackle uh, in that offense, but with the wide splits and the way that offense is designed to get the ball out quick, it could be tough to fully evaluate him. So eager to see Andre Dillard uh, at the senior bowl, six, 290 pounds. I'm eager to see what that length is. Uh, just how long his arms are. Had some questions there but he's a natural pass protector, balanced feet. Uh, you see the body flexibility where he can mirror uh, different types of rushers. He has some upper body strength where he can control uh, the edge and sustain. Uh, he has an aggressive reach, but he is well-timed as well. He doesn't over uh, exert himself, and so uh, he moves, uh, moves well on the run uh, or uh, as a puller in the run game. So there's a lot to like about the full skill set, uh, just about translating from that Washington State offense too mobile and a more of a pro-style look. And so uh, I'm looking for Andre Dillard to have a big week. Uh, I think he could cement himself as a first-round pick.
0: If you're looking for D-line, man, I think this is the draft for you. It's loaded at D-line. I know there's a lot of underclassmen that won't be in Mobile. What about at the Senior Bowl? Who, who are you looking at on the D-line?
2: You're, you're right. It's a loaded group at defensive line, uh, You know, especially with all the juniors that came out. But the senior class has quite a few uh, as well. Uh, in terms of the edge guys, the pass rushers, I think Montez Sweat from Mississippi State is probably the, the highest graded uh, player in Mobile, at least on my board. Uh, former Michigan State tight end, moving to defensive end, went to JUCO, goes to Mississippi State the last two years, and had double-digit sacks both years. Really played well uh, in the SEC. Big. Well, I should say tall, long, but he's, he doesn't have the traditional bulk. So I'm eager to see him during uh, weigh-ins to see how he looks. Uh, does he have more room to add some bulk to his frame, or is he tapped out? He uh, uses those long strides, those long arms, so just bend the edge. It became a much better run defender uh, yeah, run defender as well that his senior year. So I think uh, more of an all-around player who – three, four teams, four, three teams. They'll both be interested in Montez Sweat. Uh, DeAndre Walker from Georgia – uh, O'Shane Ximenez from Old Dominion. Uh, a, a late ad was Anthony Nelson, defensive end from Iowa, who's a redshirt junior, but because he's a graduate, he is eligible for this game. As uh, a power-packed player. love to use that length, uh, heavy hands, beat-up tackles. So uh, the defensive end group uh, definitely has a lot to offer. Uh, then the tackles, uh, same type of deal. Uh, I think inside you look at Gerald Willis, the quick-footed, uh pass rusher from Miami, mm. uh, his ability to infiltrate gaps, get inside, disrupt the backfield. Isaiah Bug at Alabama, a versatile guy, played defensive end, head up over the offensive tackle, sometimes on the shoulder uh, at Alabama in their 3-4 base. Uh, but I think you could play him as a shaded nose. You could play him a three technique. A lot of things you could do with Isaiah Bug. I think that versatility will, will kind of be key to his draft grade. Be eager to see him uh, in mobile to see where exactly they play him. Uh, and then Kalen Saunders from Western Illinois, uh, probably the third small school guy uh, on my board, with Adderley being one, uh, Titus Howard two, and then Saunders three. Uh Just a, a nimble, agile-footed big man. Uh, carries his weight well. Um it's eager to see how he stacks up against uh, some better blockers this week.
0: Dane, the linebacker position for the Chargers really got hit hard by injuries. Kaiser White, who was at the Senior Bowl last year, earned a starting position, got hurt early in the year. Denzel Perriam and Jatavis Brown. The Chargers could be looking to further bolster that linebacking core. Uh, Last position group I want to ask about is linebackers in Mobile. Uh, Who are we keeping eyes on?
2: Uh, Jermaine Pratt from NC State, uh, former safety who uh, bulked up and now a linebacker. Uh, really loves play personality uh, the aggression that he plays with good speed, good toughness at the point of attack. Uh, in my opinion, he's the top linebacker uh, that will be in, in, uh, in mobile. And then you've got Tavon Coney from Notre Dame, uh, more of a, a, a Sam style linebacker. Uh, I don't know if I trust him in coverage, but uh, really alert versus the run puts himself in good position to make plays, good pursuit angles. Uh, Bobby Okariki from Stanford, uh, twitched up athlete who love the aggression that he plays with. They'll, he'll fly around the field, make plays. Uh, he needs to get better with his take on skills to shed blocks and uh, you know not allow blockers to dictate where he ends up. But uh, I think he's a good athlete, and that should show this week. Uh, but it's you know it's not a great class of uh, linebackers this year, but it's solid. I think you know some guys in the middle rounds to keep an eye on Terrell Hanks from New Mexico State. Uh, David Long from uh, West Virginia, another uh, junior who graduated getting a call up. So uh, a solid group of linebackers, not spectacular, but might be able to find some good value in the third, fourth round.
0: Dan, I tell you, I I look at last year and and the way the Chargers drafted, and I've talked to Tom Telesco about this. You don't draft them just because they go to the Senior Bowl, but after Derwin, who we mentioned, Uchenna Nwosu, Justin Jones – Kaiser White, Scott Quisenberry, all of these guys were Senior Bowl guys. Michael Badgley, who came up clutch with the Chargers. What is it about this game? Is, is it just the fact that these guys are four-year players, uh, in large part leaders in their programs that could translate to the NFL?
2: Yeah, it's it's an opportunity. Uh, you, you kind of these guys are used to playing in front of you know uh, packed stands, uh, you know, big-time programs, but this is a different animal because, you know, they're coming to Mobile and playing at Live People Stadium, um, with packed stands that are just hundreds and hundreds of NFL coaches, scouts, general managers, personnel people. Um, and it, so it can be a little intimidating when, you know, you're kind of thrown in the mix going up against guys you've never really played with before. Um, and you're doing one on ones where there's nowhere to hide. Uh, you know, there's, you, you kind of have to, uh, you, you have to show up. And so it's something that uh, is a unique opportunity that if you take advantage of it, uh, you know, you're going to have teams kind of fall in love with what you can do. And it could be maybe a tiebreaker before, between you. If if a team has a senior bowl guy and another guy closely rated, it could be a tiebreaker because subconsciously, you know, these personnel uh, decision makers are thinking, well, you know, we got a chance to see him up close and personal uh, at the senior bowl. And he really handled himself well um, you know, it's a good chance for teams to perform interviews with these guys, get to know them better. Um, so it's just it's a unique opportunity that uh, did you figure out combine there's the triple amount of players. So you don't have as, as much access to these guys with the interviews. You don't have as much, uh, you know, one on one time as you do at the senior bowl. And like I said, it's the final time we get to see these guys in a, fo- a true football setting mm. with pads on, helmet on, and, you know, doing performing football drills. And it's, so it's kind of that lasting impact that you can make. And so for a lot of these guys, it certainly helps them. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of teams that take a lot of value in
0: that. Yeah, when I say Senior Bowl in the game, it, it's less about the game; it's more about just the practices right. and everything that goes on throughout the course of the week. Like you said, the interviews, uh, the one-on-ones, all, all the drills throughout the week, and the stands are packed for those practices just as much as the game. Um, we're looking forward to getting down to Mobile, Dane. You do awesome work, man. I can't thank you enough for your time. I know this is the the busiest time of year for you. I look forward to seeing you in Mobile, man. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. All right, that's going to do it. My thanks to Dane Brugler and Eric Williams for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. We'll be with you each Thursday throughout the offseason, and next week we'll be on location at the Senior Bowl in Mobile and the Pro Bowl in Orlando. Enjoy the weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Harey.